We've been speaking to you on the subject of grace. Last Sunday, our topic was uh, grace that makes us new. I think the CDs are out there also if you uh, missed last Sunday. I believe the last Sunday's out there. And uh, today I want to speak to you on grace that uh, gives us strength from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. Uh, next Sunday, I, I'm excited about the following two Sundays. Uh, we're going to look at the subject of how grace takes us home. Because grace doesn't just make us new and set us free and, and give us strength. Grace takes us home. And so that'll be next Sunday, part one, next Sunday morning. And... Uh, uh, next Sunday would be a good time also to invite someone. I wanted to get some postcards out, but by the time I knew what dates went where, just not enough time. Uh, so you'll have to be our postcards and our inv- inviters for the week. Second Corinthians chapter 12 is familiar to many people. It has to do with Paul's thorn in the flesh. And we'll begin reading in verse 7. This is from the English Standard Version. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited, or as the King James Version says, exalted above measure, uh, which I actually like the King James here, exalted above measure. You can't measure it. I think that's actually a good translation. Uh, Here, the English Standard Version simply says, to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of revelations given to me. You have to remember that Paul wrote uh, over half the New Testament. And so he had a wonderful inspiration and revelation on the gospel. So because of these revelations to keep me from being just inflated uh, and conceited, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me and keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, verse 10, I am therefore content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, that's when I am actually strong, strong in Him. We don't know exactly what this thorn is, or at least I don't, uh, but there have been some uh, good guesses about what this exactly was this thorn. It wasn't a literal thorn. Uh, he could have meant some kind of um, uh, weakness or sickness. Uh, some have suggested that maybe his his eyesight was failing. 
there's a verse in Galatians 4, verse 15, where he tells the Galatians, he said, when I was among you, you were very gracious to me, you loved me, and, and you would have even plucked out your eyes if it was possible and given them to me. So he might have had some kind of eye problem. Um, and when he would write a letter himself, not using a secretary, he would write in very large letters, he says in Galatians. So that's a possibility. Another possibility is that it was actually some kind of person who followed him around, like he used to persecute the church by going around and arresting them. And maybe there was some Jewish prosecutor who followed him around after he became a Christian and was prosecuting him. Um, There is a biblical reference in Joshua chapter 23 Uh, verse 11, where God says concerning the Canaanites, He says, Be careful to love the Lord your God, for if you turn back and cling to these nations and make marriages with them, then know that the Lord will no longer drive them out, but they will be a snare to you and thorns. If you marry Canaanite, pagan, they will become a thorn to you. Yikes. Uh, now, I don't think Paul was married, but it could have been a person who followed him around that just harassed him and nagged him and constantly tried to have him arrested. I think you could conceivably marry a thorn in the flesh. I think that's happened before. Don't get me wrong, I have not done that. My wife may have, but... But the thing that the thorn does here is it made the Apostle Paul seek God for strength and help and resolution because he didn't feel like he could go on the way it was. He said, I sought God, I pleaded with God three times that he would take it away. We don't do that very easily. We don't just naturally, spontaneously. Romans 3.11 says that no man seeks after God. It's not natural to us to seek God and certainly to pursue God uh, with a focus and a concentration. Billy Graham tells a story of, in the Old West, a cowboy was coming out of a bar and uh, saw an old prospector coming into town leading a tired and dirty donkey. The old cowboy had been in there drinking, so he's got, he was kind of about half drunk. So he decided to have a little fun with the prospector, and he pulled out his six-gun and said to the prospector, Mister, have you ever danced? And the prospector said, No. And he said, Well, you're going to now. And he began to shoot at his feet. And... Uh, As he shot at his feet, the prospector danced all around. And finally, he shot all six bullets. And after that, the prospector saw that his gun was empty and he reached into his pack on the donkey and pulled out a sawed-off shotgun. And he pointed it at the cowboy's head and said, Mister, have you ever kissed a mule? And the cowboy said, no, but I've always wanted to. 
Now, I'm not saying that praying to God and worshiping is like kissing a mule, but it, it does run contrary to nature. And so these things work to bring us to God. And Paul says, I had all these revelations, and if it hadn't have been for this thorn, I would have had a sense of independence from God. I like the uh, paraphrase of the uh, message, a paraphrase of this text where Paul writes this. He says, and this is the message, a contemporary paraphrase. He says, because of the extravagance of these revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angels did, it, did their best to get me down, but all they did was push me all the way to my knees. So there was no danger of me walking around like at the high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it three times, and He told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength reaches fullness in your weakness. So he says, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen, and I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift of the thorn. Now I take limitations in stride with a good attitude. Now that's a little loose with the text, but it gets the point. Paul had these incredible revelations from God. It says, and he, he speaks in the third person here, but in chapter 12... In verse 2, he says, 14 years ago, I was caught up to the third heaven. The third heaven, that's like as high as you can go. That's in the throne room of God. And he said, I had these abundance of revelations. And he never spoke of it until four, now, 14 years later. If I had been caught up into the third heaven, I don't think I'd be waiting 14 years to tell you all about it. I'd be calling a special meeting. Guess where I've been? <laughs> I'd be writing a book. Um, in fact, there was a book, there's several of them out now, on uh, people who've been to heaven and come back. Have y'all seen those? They've been movies out. 2010, a book came out, The Boy Who Came Back from Heaven, who was supposed to have died when he was in an accident at, at six. He came back and amazed his father and mother with his stories of heaven. He has uh, since, by the way, renounced his story. And the publisher has pulled all the books. Um, and <laughs> I'm not making this up. His, his actual true name is Alex Malarkey. <laughs> so, but... but when people, if somebody's gone to heaven, man, they want to write a book. They want to tell about it. Paul says, I, 14 years ago, I was caught up to the third, third heaven. But he says, there has been such a work in me that I have learned to tone down what God's done so that I, I don't view myself as so special. There is... If you'll notice uh, in the English Standard Version, in verse 7, the word conceited. 
That's the Greek word hyperareo. King James has exalted beyond measure. It can't measure how high it goes. There's only one other place in the New Testament that this Greek word is used. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I think we have that. Um, this is the only other place this word conceited or highly exalted is used. And it reads like this. Uh, There's coming a day when the man of lawlessness will be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself. There it is. Hyper areo. Hyper, you know what that means, extreme. And then areo means to lift up or exalt. There is one who comes who will exalt himself, hyper areo, against every god so that he takes his seat in the very temple proclaiming himself to be God. (laughs) I mean, that is the only place this word is used. Paul said, so that I wouldn't become an antichrist, I was given this thorn in the flesh. I mean, that's the power of pride in us. And... I would just ask this question, and I know that many of you have what you would call a thorn in the flesh, some kind of problem, uh, pain-producing affliction, and it has weighed you down and you've prayed to God so many times. Have you ever considered what your future, what your life would be like without the thorn? Paul says... I'm afraid to look at what kind of person I would have been. Instead of being an apostle, I could have been an antichrist. Hyper-exalted. Beyond measuring ability of people. This is is how the apostle put it. So let me just give to you here uh, three quick lessons on the thorn in the flesh and how grace gives us strength. One, this thorn and the grace that came because of it gave to Paul a preferred future. Look look at verse 9 again. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast... All the more gladly of my weaknesses. <laughs> and in other words, Paul stopped praying for God to remove the thorn and began praising that God had given him the thorn. He's boasting about the thorn. Thank you, Lord. What kind of person I would have been when I look at that and I look at the effect and the impact, how this has changed my destiny and my future. So I say, God, you have done so good by giving me this thorn. Grace does that. It changes your whole demeanor. You you may prefer to live without the the thorn, but you don't realize you'd also be living without the grace. 
So this gives to Paul, he says, a preferred future that if we knew what God knew, we'd be asking for it, not asking Him to take it away. Can I get a witness on that? That's weak. <laughs> That's weak. <laughs> but it's there. I see latent faith there. Now, I'm not saying go out and say, God, just give me some more thorns. Just weigh me down with all them afflictions. I don't think you have to ask that. I think He will design them and send them according to His wisdom and timing, and it's up to you to how your attitude will be, whether you will respond in faith to them and give Him praise for them. Here's a, a second one. Know that grace is given to live to the degree of the pain. Grace is given to live with it. In verse 9, when he prayed, God, take it away. And God said, no, my grace will cover it. My grace is sufficient for it. And if you notice in verse 10, he actually names the five areas from which, the main, these are main areas for which the thorns come. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ, I'm content with weaknesses. That's you. That's your own weaknesses. That, that means thorns that come from yourself. And then insults. That's thorns that come from others, people who are your enemies. That's also a thorn. And then hardships. That's thorns that come from circumstances. It's not from you. It's not from others. It's just that's the way the ball bounced and you're the recipient. Hardships. Persecutions. That comes from your faith, living out your faith and the reaction of the world to it. And calamities or uh, natural disasters. That can be something that takes... A, it's surprising. It's an interruption even to the death. That, the death of a loved one. A surprising interruption, a natural disaster that has caught you unaware. And you have to, now you have to live with that. And he says, he says, for the sake of Christ, I'm content with any of these areas, whether it's a thorn from myself or from others or from circumstances or the hostile world around me or the natural disaster in the natural order of things. Whatever source the affliction comes from, I have found grace is sufficient. His strength, His life, His blessing, His favor is sufficient to stand up to it and walk through it. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I just pray something like this. God, for my weakness, give me Your strength. For my sins, give me Your righteousness. For my ignorance, give me your wisdom. For my despair, give me your joy. For my dying, give me your living and your resurrection. In fact, Lord, just for me, give me you. The exchanged life is what grace brings. It gave him a preferred future that he would have preferred or chosen had he known what God knows it, it comes with a grace that is comprehensive. And one quick thing to end. 
is that it is all for the sake of Christ. Look at verse 10. For the sake of Christ, I am content with all these weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. In other words, I'm going to take these and harness them, use them for the sake of Christ. And here's something that I I want us all to lay hold of today is that every single affliction in life, thorn in the flesh, is a potential weapon of war against the enemy. It can be turned into a testimony, a prayer time, a, a pursuing of Scripture until it becomes like a special weapon that you use against the enemy. I want to tell you, let God just turn that thing right upside down. Don't let the enemy tell you, define for you what is bad in your life. Let God define what is bad. And I I don't care what it is that has come into your life. I listened to a, uh, a pastor, teacher, um, a, f- a few months ago, a few weeks ago, I guess now. But uh, he's, he's uh, a father and he's got eight children. And uh, with that is all the struggles that come with having eight children, you know, what decisions to make and the marriage stress and finances and all that. And uh, somebody let him. Uh, live in a house in Florida for a few days for vacation. So they went down to Florida, took all the kids, and uh, they said, now when it, this is a rainy season, so it's going to rain every day. And so you'll have to mow the yard. You have an opportunity usually at some point when it's dry enough to mow, and you have to mow it almost every day, because if you let it get If you let it go two or three days, you're not going to be able to do it with a lawnmower. He said, okay, got it, got it. And with eight kids, he missed a day. And then he missed another day. Finally, he thought, I've got to get out there. And when he got out there with his lawnmower, it was too big and it was too wet. He missed his opportunity. And another day or two went by and finally he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. He called this friend of his. And the friend said this. He said, don't worry about this. He said, I've got a brush hog. And I'll bring it over, and I'll have that grass on the ground in no time. And he said, you're not the first person who's had this problem. (laughs) And I thought about that. That stuck with me because... We get really anxious about our failures and our afflictions. And I want to say two things to you. One is, God's got a brush hog for whatever size your grass is. This isn't the first time He's dealt with this. Amen? He's he's been doing this since creation. And He's always got more grace than you've got thorns. He's always got a bigger brush hog than you got wet grass. This isn't his first day on the field. And you're not the first person to ever have your problem. 
Somewhere, somebody, God got them through. 1 Peter 5 says, that which is common to man. 1 Corinthians 10, that which is common to man. And that's where we are. Grace will get us through. In fact, whatever thorn, it brings this incredible strength and grace to get us through that our nearness to God is worth the pain. That's what Paul said. That is my prayer for you today as you consider with us and meditate with us these Sunday mornings on the power of grace. Next Sunday, we're going to look at how grace gets us home. I'm going to do two parts on this. I hope you'll join me and bring somebody. This is a good... These two next two messages will be good for people who are guests. Um, how grace gets us home. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today that for whatever is afflicting us this morning, you have grace to cover it. I praise you, O oh God, that you know so much more and that if I knew what you knew, I'd be saying, praise God, I boast in the thorn. May Jesus Christ be honored and praised and may his kingdom be advanced and his church built because of the problems that you have permitted in my life. To Him be glory and honor. And in His name we pray. Amen. Amen.